Welcome to the Intelligence Briefing for Monday, the 27th of 2020. My name is EJ Nazario, and here are the top polemical news articles for today. Why Kobe's death reminds us there's not enough time for hospitality evangelism. The media is abuzz covering the death of Kobe Bryant and the people from all over the world are mourning as he's held up as a role model and example of a good man that lived an exemplary life and by the world standards maybe he did. But in his passing hour he will not be judged by the world standards. We should mourn the sudden and unforeseen death of Kobe Bryant or anyone else we know who walks in darkness, whether by false religion, false conversion or unbelief but always within one singular scope, the urgency of the gospel message. The Lord's Church has an urgent message, which is not one opportunity or convenience, not one in which we proceed with caution, but it is urgent and therefore it must be proclaimed boldly. Be warned of the quote-unquote sensitivity language that has overtaken the professing church, that which coddles a man's feelings, thereby withholding the glorious message of salvation until quote-unquote the time is just right. They tell us, quote-unquote, relationship building is absolutely necessary before any religious talk is permissible. They demand that we foster long-term and intimate friendships, they call it, that will allow for supposed opportunities to present the gospel, reminding us regularly that this can take time and scoffing at the idea of boldly proclaiming the gospel. They issue a stern rebuke for anyone who dares to warn the unbeliever of the wrath of God unto all righteousness, as this is called insensitive, unloving, and even, for many, unnecessary. This unbiblical, emotionally charged movement is afoot in the church and gaining momentum daily, and they call it Christian hospitality, or missional hospitality, and by way of redefining terms and completely dismantling selected passages of scripture, they convince the biblical ignorant that this is true evangelism. They solidified their claims by holding up widely publicized lesbian feminist Rosaria Butterfield's purported conversion as proof. Pastor Ken Smith, who supposedly led Rosaria Butterfield to Christ while nurturing an intimate friendship for two years, was interviewed by the Christian Worldview on September 17th of 2016. It is a very revealing interview. When they asked the host why he did not share the gospel of Christ with Rosaria, immediately he answered and said, Why should I? We didn't even know her, so we just welcomed her into our home and fell in love with her after the first ten minutes. Repeatedly throughout the interview, Smith asks, what's the hurry? Then he makes a most curious and revealing statement when he says, in the course of all this, you got to remember I'm angling on how to get an appointment to present the gospel to her students and she's holding me back. She said, to tell you the truth, I'm not even sure what I believed. So you see, lights were going on because I had not had any sense of trying to win her to Jesus. I just had her as way to get to her students. No plans to proclaim the all-powerful gospel to her? But why? Smith insists that Christians must build intimate friendships before proclaiming the life-saving message, even going so far as to denounce the church's eagerness to proclaim the gospel, complaining that we're just too eager to present the gospel. As a result, we lose sight of the person's quote-unquote feelings. He admonishes the Lord's church to become listeners instead. Dr. Tim Keller has also been peddling this radical message of yoking with the world for more than two decades, referring to this blatantly unbiblical practice called missional hospitality. 
Pastor Ken Smith claimed to have practiced this brand of hospitality throughout most of his ministry. And in her latest book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Dr. Rosaria Champagne Butterfield demands that Christians embrace this quote-unquote radical form of hospitality. But the entire movement is a counterfeit. The church has an urgent message and a duty to proclaim it urgently. As Christ and his apostles so perfectly set this example for us in Scripture, all to the glory of God. And as I reflect upon a high-profile death, or the death of any little-known neighbor, the same is always going to be true. The message is urgent. Do not be deceived. Russell Moore says abortion isn't a political issue. Don't worry about how you vote. The Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, or better known as the ERLC, of the Southern Baptist Convention is led by an insufferable Democrat quizzling Russell Moore, who says he wishes his wife was a Democrat and more like Hillary Clinton. While weaponizing their research fellows over the March of Life weekend to attack Donald Trump for being pro-life, the ERLC circled wagons at the We're Pro-Life But Not Really organization, Evangelicals for Life. Don't let the name fool you, by the way. The conference was a who's who of never-Trumpers who are working tirelessly to place a Democrat in the White House in 2020. Speaking at the event along with Russell, I wish my wife were like Hillary Clinton more, was the social justice warrior David Platt, the theoerotic divine romance novelist, and I fly to Paris to make love to God, Voskamp, and Danny Aiken, who has steered Southeastern Seminary to the hardcore left in the past two years. And finally, the event hosted Thibidian Abuile, his real name, by the way, is Ron Burns, who said that he'd rather have dead babies than have Trump in office. His convictions that babies are not as important as his allegiance to the Democrat Party led Anabwile to first endorse Bernie Sanders in the last election and later Hillary Clinton. It should come as no surprise to us then that the ERLC sent the message that, quote unquote, the pro-life agenda is not a political agenda. These democratic leftists pretend as though they care about babies each year while abstaining from the march of life and huddling together in D.C. to talk about the sanctity of life, but discussing anything and everything except abortion. Last year, this same group used their fake pro-life event to discuss the importance of social justice laws for criminal justice reform, which they said is what it means to truly be pro-life. Of course, the pro-life agenda is a political one. It is legal to murder infants and cut them down limb from limb because Russell Moore and Thibidian Abuile's political party is in power. These are false Christians, fake pro-lifers, and wicked evil men. They are the wolves in sheep's clothing we were warned about. Matthew 7:15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Explainer, here's what Paula White meant by satanic pregnancies. Far be it from us to defend the New Apostolic Reformation's seductress and Benny Hinn's former mistress, Paula White. It should bolster our claims regarding what Paula White meant by the satanic pregnancies, given that no publication on earth has likely criticized her more. We have criticized the crazy-eyed prophetess, and obviously if you go to our website and click on this particular article, you'll see all the different places where we have criticized her very professionally and very specifically. 
In fact, we wrote about her bizarre comments on satanic pregnancies in the article Trump Pastor Praise Satanic Pregnancies Miscarry in Crazy Talk. It wasn't flattering. However, over the weekend, many conservatives, not content to make fun of White for her charismatic eccentricities, which is sufficient unto itself, chose to characterize her statement as actually interceding in prayer for the death of actual babies. Oh no! As crazy as what she meant is, that's not what she was praying for. We understand the confusion if you don't track. With charismatic novelties, keywords, catchphrases, and routine crazy talk, we get it. But Paula White was not praying for the death of human beings. Fair is fair, as they say. But if anyone is advocating for the death of children, it's Beth Moore, who is substantially more dangerous than Paula White and her friends in the woke evangelical movement who use the Sanctity of Life Sunday to tell Christians it's okay to vote Democrat. In fact, let this article serve as a reminder to conservative evangelicals not to be a stooge of the evangelical left in attacking Paula White for the wrong reasons when they're far more responsible for abortion staying legal, when there are plenty of good reasons to criticize the woman. White said in the now infamous video, We cancel every surprise from the witchcraft, any spirit of control, any Jezebel. We come against the marine kingdom. We come against the animal kingdom. We break the power in the name of Jesus. We command any satanic pregnancies to miscarry right now. End quote. Trump haters jumped on this and began to portray his pastor as being pro-abortion. But no. The ERLC is pro-abortion by virtue of promoting Democrats. The controversy here is that white is nuts, not pro-choice. Your friendly neighborhood polemicist sits around and carefully document charismatic strangeness. In doing so, we understand the unique language in this sub-Christian sect of evangelicalism. Charismatics often use the term pregnancy or birthing or birth pangs and the word delivery in the metaphoric sense precisely as white is using it. Most charismatic catchphrases have a root in the biblical text, no matter how stretched out of context it may be. This is no exception, as it comes from extrapolation of Matthew 24, 8 and Hosea 13, 13, Mark 13a and Luke 21, 12. It is apocalyptic language which charismatics routinely use to characterize the times in which we live. I remind you of a clip of Hollywood director Tyler Perry, quote-unquote slaying in the spirit, T.D. Jakes, I kid you not, at which point prophets shouted out nonsense about, get that baby out of you, get it out, get it out, to the man lying prostrate upon the floor. This is the bizarreness with which charismatic practice their religion. Their concept is that God, or the devil, place babies inside of people that will give birth to blessings or curses. Again, we're not defending the crack pottery. It's nuts. But it's not about actual babies, and anyone who seriously follows charismaticism would know that. Rather, Paula White was referring to various schemes of plots being quote-unquote unhatched to derail President Trump. In fact, this article at Charisma Mag, metaphorizing labor pains in pregnancy for bonus weird points, it quotes Charles Spurgeon, by the way, demonstrates this charismatic eccentricity. Or there's this article, which you can also see at Pulpit and Pen, from the flagship charismatic publication about being spiritually pregnant. Or there's another article from the charismatic Catholic renewal about being pregnant with the Holy Ghost. While Paula White is seven different kinds of nut job, the president's spiritual advisor was not praying that God cause actual women to miscarry their actual babies. Those who follow charismaticism and understand their unique vocabulary should know that. And once again, we have to say that fair is fair. 
Franklin Graham banned from UK venue because of hate speech. Liverpool is known as the home of famed Reformed preacher J.C. Ryle, who was the first Anglican bishop of Liverpool. Ryle was a staunch conservative preacher with his solid biblical values, who was celebrated for his putting-it-like-it-is sermons and writing. Things have changed, however, as prominent Liverpool venue just cancelled American evangelist Franklin Graham for preaching quote-unquote hate. And by hate, the ACC Liverpool venue means Graham's preaching of the Bible when it comes to various sins, issues like homosexuality. The venue claims that Graham's freedom of speech has a divisive impact on their community. Here's what it says. Over the past few days, we have been made aware of a number of statements which we consider to be incompatible with our values. In light of this, we can no longer reconcile the balance between freedom of speech and the divisive impact this event is having in our city. We have informed the organizers of the event that the booking will no longer be fulfilled. The BBC lines out, in the words of an LGBT advocacy group, what the actual problem with Graham's opinions are. And here's what they said. Franklin Graham has repeatedly publicly promoted his homophobic beliefs including, but not limited to, branding homosexuality as a sin, claiming Satan was the architect of same-sex marriage and LGBT rights, claiming gay people exist are causing a moral 911, declared that gay people are the enemy of civilization and advocates for the highly damaging abusive practice of gay conversion therapy. The mayor of Liverpool took to Twitter, and here's what he said. Our city is a diverse city and proud of our LGBTQ plus community and always will be. We cannot allow hatred and violence to go unchallenged by anyone, including by religious groups or sex. It's right we have banned from the MNS arena Franklin Graham. Hashtag love conquers hatred always. Franklin Graham is the son of the famous evangelist Billy Graham, who was warmly welcomed in the United Kingdom throughout his ministry career. The younger Graham's beliefs regarding homosexuality are identical, by the way, to his father's. The Intelligence Briefing is brought to you by Pulpit and Pen, and is also brought to you by the generous contributions of our patron sponsors who monthly support the Polemics Report with J.D. Hall, therefore providing this briefing to you for free. To become a patron supporter and have access to the rest of our additional content, including the Polemics Report with J.D. Hall, visit pulpitandpen.org and click on the Donate button today. Until next time, my name is E.J. Nazario, and I'll see you here at the Intelligence Briefing.